1: So far, the most important episode of all of Smart People Podcast. I am Chris. And I am John. And thank you for making it 100 episodes with us. It's kind of crazy. I've never done 100 of anything in my entire life on purpose that was beneficial. It's just what I think. I did a hundred ups once. Not at the same. Yeah. I guess it doesn't have to No. Be. Yeah. At the same time. <laughs> Anyways, guys, it's been a journey. We can't wait to keep doing it. We have you to, you know, thank for all of this because you've motivated us over the past couple of years. Sent us emails, reached out joined us with the show's gone through a lot of transitions we've had some amazing guests it's just it's come a long way and can't say how excited I am especially because for a hundredth episode to mark the centennial of smart people podcast we have I I don't I don't know one of the most amazing, compassionate, talented guests on our long laundry lists of amazingness. So we will get into our guests shortly, but it wouldn't be a hundredth episode if we didn't tell you what we need from you. Could you go to iTunes, tell the world, hey guys, thanks for being awesome. Here's five stars. Give us a rating. Or check us out at smartpeoplepodcast.com. Connect with us via our newsletter, which is up there. And I am working on,
0: as we speak, John and I are working on that newsletter. So a lot of good ways. And before we get to the interview, please listen to this sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Guys, this is hands down the best platform to use when making a website. It couldn't be more easy. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code SMART7 when you're checking out.
1: Yeah, and make sure you type in Smart7 when you go check out. It's the only way they know you heard about them here at our show. And I know, John, you've been building actually somebody's blog, one of our friends who is technologically inept like me, but it was the first time you really dug into Squarespace and it was easy, right?
0: Oh, it's super easy. Everything's drag and drop. I don't have to worry about coding. It's super simple. You know, I actually ran into a problem the other night and it was around 9 p.m., I fired off an email to Squarespace. They sent me an answer within like 20 minutes. It was amazing. I got everything up and running like I needed to. It was perfect.
1: Yeah, I know they have 24/7 support and it's cheap. It starts at just $8 a month and that includes a domain name. So you don't have to worry about registering anywhere else. I love the fact that they take care of the SEO. So they help optimize your site for search engines and get you on top of Google, which anybody out there wants. You all know you've been wanting to create a website for a while. That blog, that business, which by the way, Squarespace recently added e-commerce to their platform. So it's really easy to just set up shop and sell things. You can do it in just a few minutes. Great design. As John said, drag and drop. Even people like me, I'm telling you, can use Squarespace for their websites.
0: Yeah, you really don't have to worry about anything. You want your site to fit on mobile devices, tablets, phones, whatever it may be. Squarespace takes care of that for you. So as we mentioned earlier, you can try Squarespace for free. No credit card required. While you're checking out, make sure you use the offer code SMART7 to save 10%.
1: SMART7, that's the
0: only way, guys. Again, I can't thank you guys enough. I know Chris just did it for a couple minutes there. But really, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are awesome. That's a lot of thank yous. It is. I think it was only three, but I can do some more no, no, if, no if more. needed. But you guys send us tweets, you send us emails, Facebook messages. I've even had phone calls from a few of you. It's been fantastic. We've made it 100. Sorry we're patting ourselves a little bit on the back here. But as Chris said, he's never done 100 of anything. I don't think I have besides those push-ups. So we're just a little excited to make it this far with you. Thank you. I don't think we're, we're patting backs. But so let's talk about our guest. Our guest is Louis Schwartzberg. He
1: is a filmmaker, cinematographer. He's just a real artist. And he has this way of allowing us to look at the world and and specifically nature and all its beauty through his specialty, which is time-lapse video. Louis graduated from UCLA Film School with an MFA in the early 70s. He then went on to really pioneer high-end time-lapse cinematography. So what you see in those commercials when... Flowers open up or sun, you know, a sunrise or hummingbirds kind of twirling. Our guest is the one that did this, for the most part. And we talk about it in the interview. He has directed and produced numerous movies. His most recent, in 2012, he completed Wings of Life, which is an amazing documentary I've had the pleasure of seeing. It's a feature for Disney Nature narrated by Meryl Streep. It won Best Theatrical Program at the Jackson Hole Science Media Awards 2012. You know, a couple other awards. It's just amazing. It talks about the fragile relationship between flowers and their pollination partners. So bees, bats, butterflies, all the B words.
0: Louie has a fantastic free app out there in the iOS ecosystem and the Android platform. It's called Moving Art. Check it out. It's free It has all kinds of great visuals. There's music behind the visuals. It's just awesome. I downloaded it, checked it out. It's going to be probably used on a daily basis when I want to just relax, kind of meditate, that kind of thing.
1: So you can check that at movingart.com or on iTunes and whatnot, like John just said. So let's turn it over to Louis. He's going to blow your mind. This is some great stuff, some deep information and appreciation. So here's our 100th interview with Louis Schwartzberg. Louis, again, thank you so much for being on the show. It's really great to have a true artist and somebody who has brought in us in the world, so many good images and a different vision of what's out there, especially in nature. I wanted to kind of start off and see, get a better idea of how your career in film began. And especially how did you decide to focus on time-lapse, which is a pretty niche market and you were kind of the, one of the pioneers of it.
2: Well, if I'm a pioneer, it makes me sound like I'm an ancient guy with a white beard. (laughs) I guess I got started at UCLA because I really loved doing photography, got into fine art photography. And when I started to get involved with motion, picture, cinematography, as a filmmaker, I always wanted to shoot the highest quality format, which was 35 millimeter movie film, but I really couldn't afford to do that. So when I discovered time-lapse, I kind of figured out, wow, I could shoot super high quality film and at the same time not shoot a lot of film because in time-lapse you're shooting one frame every let's say 20 minutes and then it gets compressed when it's projected at 24 frames per second which is the standard and it enables you to shoot let's say if I'm shooting one frame every 20 minutes I'm shooting like a little over two seconds in a 24-hour period which was great for shooting things like flowers or shooting clouds. And what I really did pioneer was using time lapse to shoot high quality contemporary imagery because before time lapse going back to the 30s, there was a guy named James Ott who was really the, the pioneer, the guy who invented it, and he was you know shooting plants and flowers from a scientific point of view to understand the effect of different, like how light affects plants, the growth rate of plants, you know, shot on a white background, very crude kind of scientific tool for measurement. I think what I I kind of created was bringing what an artist does. I brought beauty into the process of time-lapse cinematography. And as I started shooting all this beautiful imagery... Even after I graduated from UCLA, I went up north and lived in Mendocino for a couple of years. And, you know, little by little, people started to hear about it. The Cousteau Society heard about it, feature film called The Secret Life of Plants. And I remember coming back to LA and, and I showed people my work and they you all know, looked at it and said, oh my God, it's beautiful, it's amazing, but we don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I mean, what do you, you know, it's like it doesn't fit traditional entertainment because that's all about drama, killing, and conflict. But the ad agency saw my work, went, wow, it's like eye candy, right? It's like in two seconds I can grab your emotion. And so we started to license it for big campaigns like, you know, Heartbeat of America for Chevy, a lot of bank commercials, radio spots. And then that, that's when it really, I think, took off. And what's amazing is to this day, look at all the time lapse you see on, on TV commercials. You know, it's never gone away. It never came like, like a fad. It was ever like in style and out of style. So I know it's a long answer to a question, but basically it came out of economic necessity, a passion for exploring things that the human eye can't see. And eventually it ended up influencing a lot of people and created an industry that never existed before, which was the industry of licensing contemporary stock footage, uh, that never existed before.
1: That was actually one of the questions I had. I, I knew that you kind of built your business and your brand by licensing your footage, which, and you've done extremely well doing that. And I've read that your footage is in tons of movies. I don't I don't know the number. I'm sure you might not even know the number, but I was hoping you could kind of explain. I hear it's a lot of landscape shots or flyovers or different kinds of things. Is that a correct assumption?
2: Yes. I mean, obviously, you know, images of nature, aerials of cityscapes, landscapes. I mean, anything that kind of grabbed my eye, because what's amazing is before then, the only stock footage you could license was archival newsreel footage or outtakes from a movie, which was usually scratched and beat up. Nobody had contemporary pristine imagery of urban landscapes, people at work and play or nature. And that was a rare commodity. So when all of a sudden it became available, it was like a powerful creative tool um, that people used for, I mean, just a couple of titles. Going back all the way to E.T. with Spielberg, clouds of E.T. coming down to you know, Men in Black, all the aerials in the opening main titles, Star Trek, the movies, Crash. It's just, you know, American Beauty, the, the flowers opening, oh, yeah. the rose opening. Yeah. So, you know, it's been kind of an amazing journey because what I kind of love about when people license it is that they may use it in a way I never thought of using it. And and the whole idea of licensing had nothing to do with me being a smart business person and creating like a business plan. It had more to do with this old-fashioned idea as an artist that if you create something, you own it. So the idea of letting people get a copy of it And it's all, of course, became easier when digital came around because then it was just a digital copy that I was happy to give someone the clone of what I did. And they only had the right to use it in that particular show. But I always owned it because I created it so that I could make my own statements, my own movies, my own stories. And so for me, it was a giant visual vocabulary, kind of like to compare it to a musician. You know, it's like having your own um, synclavier or samples. That you can use. So even though you're sitting at a computer and you're composing some music, you can have violin, clarinet, oboe at your fingertips. I was trying to always do that in my work as well to be able to compose what you want to say without having to go out and shoot it. So if you came to me and said, Oh, the beginning of a script might read, okay, the sun rose over LA as traffic started to build on the 101 freeway. I can actually take those words and make a visual story out of that.
0: Pretty much every TV show and movie that I see now has those elements in them, where a movie's starting and you see the night-to-day, tonight-to-day thing. And I mean, I'm just blown away that I'm talking to the guy that pretty much came up with that and got
2: that. what What it is, it's like it becomes like a visual vocabulary It's a part of film grammar. So when people need to make that statement of a transition of time, we now it's become almost standard to say, well, well, wow, let's do a day to night dissolve or let's do a time lapse shot.
1: What I also love about that is you and we talk about passion and kind of just doing what you enjoy. You didn't set out to say I'm going to sell my footage and make money off of it and this is how it's going to go. You did things that appealed to you, you input your own creativity And through practice and getting better at it, ended up creating things so amazing that
2: everyone wanted to incorporate them. Yeah, I think if you follow your passion, you make money as a byproduct of doing a great job.
1: I want to talk a little bit more about time lapse because you gave a great description. But I heard in an interview you did elsewhere how you mentioned that time is only relevant from the perspective of the thing that's experiencing it. So Mm -hmm. so you talked about how we view time versus, say, how a redwood tree would. And you, you kind of related that to frames per second. Do you remember kind right. of talking about that?
2: Well, what's beautiful about you know altering the the frame rate is that it, it's a metaphor for the fact that we live with blinders and there are things that are moving slower and faster than our human lifespan. So for example, the redwood tree, which lives five hundred years, looks at us scurrying around like little ants. And then of course that mosquito that's on your arm looking at that hand from us coming at it in slow motion, figures it has all day to take off because it lives in a world where maybe only lives like a week. So every creature a has its own time frame, and when you realize that, it opens up your mind. And that 24 frames per second is only one narrow way of looking at the world. I mean, people didn't realize that pl- you know the plants move. I mean, maybe they realized, well, yeah, the that I planted a crop and it grew over like a six-month period. But to actually watch it grow and to watch a flower open fills you with that sense of wonder and awe. And I think the reason why people are so enamored with it and it's so mesmerizing is because it's, it's transformational. It, it makes you realize that everything is transcendent. You know, what you're seeing is birth to death in a shot. And that touches you on a, on a very deep spiritual level to be able to realize that everything is, is, is in transition and transitory.
1: I immediately thought of this quote that for some reason has stuck with me for a long time. And it's, it says, nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but I feel like your images, your films, put that quote into such a good context. I mean, by taking just a split second... Every, you know, how often you do it, like you said, two seconds a day, you can see in real time, you know, in slow down time, how something becomes what it ends up. It's just, of course, time lapse, the best place to use it is out in nature. It seems such a logical idea now, but it all, it wasn't always. I'm just kind of blown away by that.
2: Well, there's so many different, you know, frame rates. I mean, yeah, nature is great within the organic world. I'm I'm working on a film that'll be out in November, I hope, uh, late fall, with we National Geographic, an IMAX 3D movie, and it's called Mysteries of the Unseen World. So we're doing everything from slow motion to time lapse. Well, it's, it's about everything that you and I can't see. So we're doing slow motion and time lapse, and we're also doing macro, micro, down to the nano level, down to the atom. So, you know, Einstein obviously talked about relativity. It's all about time and space. Well, I love exploring these kind of mysteries really big, <laughs> seeing beyond what we see, seeing be, in terms of scale and in terms of time. And, what it, and, and that's really important because we have this egocentric point of view on life and the world, like the world revolves around us, right? And when you realize that these giant forces are at play, whether it's organic or whether it's even gravitational Forces with the planets and, and the universe that we're just this tiny speck. And it I think it, it opens your heart to realize you got to really basically appreciate your life and live every day with that sense of wonder.
0: I have to ask you from a tech perspective because you're talking about capturing things that probably weren't able to be captured 10, 20, 30 years ago. I mean, if you're using. Cameras that can capture thousands of frames per second or possibly more. I don't know specs on these cameras Yeah, are you surprised at what we can? Capture now or are you excited to keep using this new type of technology to find things that we haven't previously been able to find?
2: Absolutely I mean these new digital high-speed cameras that do shoot a thousand to two thousand frames per second when we were doing wings of life the scientific experts who I had with me, like for example, Chip Taylor, University of Kansas with Monarch Watch, he had never seen that the butterfly wings bend. They look like they just kind of flutter, But when you see it at that frame rate, you can study the aerodynamic quality of what what enables them to fly 2,000 miles from Canada to Mexico. So I uncovered a lot of secrets that many scientists hadn't seen before. So clearly, that's a huge benefit. Same thing in the movie when you saw the buzz pollination, how the bumblebees grab onto a flower and then vibrate their wings at like 400 cycles per second. It's that vibration that makes the pollen come out of the tomato flower. And again, that hadn't been seen before with that clarity only until I had filmed it at that frame rate. So I kind of feel we're on this voyage of discovery. And I I love the idea that I can kind of work with a scientist. I mean, the scientist and the artist, I think we're on the same path. We want to kind of uncover the mysteries of the unseen worlds. But what I can do as an artist, I have a lot more creative latitude to tell a story. The scientist works within the scientific method and has to have empirical data that's repeatable. But we're both like kids with our jaws hanging down going, oh, wow, look at that. That's the inspiration and curiosity that kids have that we need to kind of keep in our heart, mind, and soul as we grow older.
0: I'm glad that we can rekindle that within ourselves because I was watching a little piece of Wings of Life and I saw the hummingbird as it was chasing after like a, an insect, and it was like doing barrel rolls and flipping all while right. maintaining its flight pattern. I was like, oh my God, that's more technologically Amazing. superior than any vehicle we have. I mean, it was
2: right. unbelievable. And what's great is I love the fact you said, oh my God, because <laughs> um, so many people say, oh my God, that kind of thought about why they say that. And the reason why is that I think the O. When you see some, something amazing in nature, the O makes you present, kind of freezes you in your track. The mind means it connected with something deep inside your soul. And the God is that kind of universal energy we all want to feel connected to. The fact that we're all part of some giant universe that has a sense of order and, and love and connection.
1: We were talking about Wings of Life, and I know that you use such beautiful imagery to kind of show nature. But it also, and throughout it, you uncovered and you go through the problems we're having with the elimination of different pollinators. Could you kind of talk to us about what you discovered through that movie and through that process of really diving into the insects and and the animals that pollinate?
2: One of the things that motivated me to make the movie was clearly hearing the story about colony collapse disorder, which is the fact that the bees are disappearing. And it's many scientists believe it's the most serious environmental threat facing human beings on our planet. But you can't tell the story about the insects without you about the story about the flowers and how they co-evolved over 135 million years together, which I call a love story that feeds the earth. So what we... Don't realize, and believe me, I didn't realize it, I have to admit, maybe 20 years ago, maybe most people don't realize, is that a flower becomes a fruit, or a nut, or a berry, or a vegetable. We're so disconnected from nature that, you know, and we don't grow our own food anymore that, like, I, gotta, I, I would easily guess that half the people in your audience don't know that fact, which is a basic fact of life. And but and flowers did, they figured out a way to kind of put their DNA into these little packets called berries nuts fruits vegetables so that animals would be seduced by them or insects and that their pollen could be moved from one point to another because plants can't move they can't walk and so this is how they reproduce reproduction is all about uh, moving dna forward which is life force energy which is probably the greatest force on our planet so when i heard about the bees disappearing and what your audience probably wants to know is why well It's the same, the same negative environmental factors are hurting them that are hurting us. Pesticide, stress, loss of habitat, GMOs, these are all having a really negative effect on their population. And they're being, you know, worked beyond belief because we have agribusiness that keeps on growing to feed a growing human population. These bees are being trucked 50,000 miles a year on a flatbed truck to go from one giant monoculture to another eating a mono diet, which means it all lowers their immunity where they're more susceptible to disease and mites. So what's interesting about it from a environmental degradation concern, there wasn't like one smoking gun, like, ah, that's the reason why they're dying. The reason why they're dying and and that what they're doing is they're actually not coming back to the hive is it's a combination of all these forces and all these factors, which is the same thing that's happening to us. People go, wow. Why did your friend get cancer? Why, are, why is there a growth in cancer, you know, in our country? And it's because of all these environmental effects that degrade our health and lower our immunity. Noise pollution, air pollution, ingredients in our food that pollute our bodies, all have a cumulative effect. So there's a great takeaway when you watch the movie, you realize, well, what's happening to them this is happening to us. And we better be conscious of the choices we make before the whole thing unravels and it's too late.
1: It's so hard to imagine our impact on these insects that we've become so removed from. I watched a, a documentary about in these African tribes how honey is good as gold. I mean, mm-hmm. guys will climb trees, get stung a 100 times just to get a little bit of honey and bring it back to their family. And I watched it and I walked into my kitchen and saw a huge jar of honey that I just pour into my tea mm-hmm. and realized this is as close to just nature's kind of sweetness as it gets. Mm-hmm. And yet we don't even think about it. We've just we've just turned it into a commodity like everything else. And what you do in Wings of Life is make people appreciate what goes on in order for all these things to happen. It's just, it's amazing stuff, it really is.
2: Well, thank you. You yeah, know, I think one of the benefits of getting people to appreciate, and especially young people, there's actually a book out by Richard Love called Nature Deficit Disorder, which um, is something that's happening with children right now, because they grow up in an environment you know where they never actually experience nature. And so, rather than lament the fact, I mean, if they can watch some of this content, you know, on a DVD or on this Moving Art Channel, which maybe we can talk about later, it's one way of infusing people with with the beauty. And the and and the energy and the spirit and the vibration that nature gives you, which is more than just feed your body. I think it feeds your soul. And when you see that, when when you saw that, you know, in that documentary, the effort it takes to get that honey, and you see how it's actually being made in my movie, you develop appreciation, and appreciation leads to gratitude, and it makes you a more compassionate human being. So that you make the right choices to protect our planet and to protect each other. And, And I think the the main thesis I've been working on from my experience of doing that film and shooting time-lapse nonstop for 30 years is that beauty is nature's tool for survival because you protect what you fall in love with. We're hardwired to do that. That's why babies are cute and kittens are cute and puppies are (laughs) cute. You're hardwired to do that. So beauty is instructing us to help life move forward.
1: I love that. I love that. And it's so true. And I do, I want to talk to you about moving art. I had one other question just because a lot of people listening to our show tend to be, you know, they're very passionate, entrepreneurial, always asking us, you know, how do I do what I want to do? How do I know what I want to do? So when we have somebody like yourself on the show that has really, I mean, made it in an industry that's so competitive, so difficult I was just hoping you might be able to talk to us about advice to people that want to pursue a career in the arts, which is now being marginalized due to economic pressures and things like that. I was wondering if you could, if you had any thought about that being a successful artist.
2: I think you have to obviously follow your passion and develop your own voice. You know, again, like I didn't have a business plan for shooting time-lapse, creating a library, which eventually had twelve foreign offices, and we sold that to Getty back in nineteen ninety six. I think the key is develop your own voice. I mean, and now with technology, you have the ability to go out and film things or shoot things, you know, stills or motion, inexpensively. Um, so the barrier to entry of money is no longer there. What is key is you develop your own voice and your own point of view, because the technology that wow. you're going to learn to capture imagery or to tell a story, wow, it's gonna change. It's, by the time you're in film school, by the time you get out of film school, whatever you learn technically will be out of date. I've gotta relearn everything now every year or two. I've got a brand new camera. I had a camera for 35 years I never had to touch and relearn. <laughs> now, every year or two, I got a brand new computer screen menu that I need to navigate. So the key or my advice would be develop your own voice, Figure out what's in your heart, what's your mission in life, and what's the story you want to tell. And focus on that. As the technology keeps on evolving, it'll be easier for you, but you can't be hooked on technology because it's changing at an accelerating rate.
0: That's such good advice. I mean, the technology is really just the tool to help you get to your passion or show your passion, that kind of thing. But let's talk a little bit about movingart.com and your Moving Art app. I'm looking here on, on iTunes and I see it's available for iOS and is it available for Android as well? And then do you want to just let our listeners know a little bit
2: about what it is? Yeah, um, it is available um, on Android. And um, basically, it's kind of like a, it's like a visual Pandora so that you can you know, basically tune in to the content or the vibration you want to have uh, in your home or on your iPhone or on your iPad. It's got categories like nature, culture, cities, and even some subcategories as well. And on the Panasonic Internet IPTV platform, it even goes deeper where we have a shuffle feature, which is really cool. So my dream actually, going back to the story again, how I started shooting all this stuff just out of passion, it was always to go straight to the consumer. It was supposed to be, it was just my desire to turn people on. It wasn't an idea to to be a business to business opportunity where I'm selling it to an ad agency for a client. So now that I can go straight to the consumer because of technology, because of the internet, I'm thrilled. I want people to use it in as many different ways as possible. If you have a party, you could put on tropical imagery and maybe play some Bob Marley music in the background. (laughs) I love it. It does have music come with it. Or if you want to meditate and chill, if you have a date, you want to be romantic – um, I recommend time-lapse flowers. That's a good one for getting uh, females in the right mood. Um, and um, you know, a lot of people say they use it as a video alarm clock, which really warms my heart so that they can use it as a way to kind of align themselves at the beginning of the day. So I'm, I'm real excited because I think it's a breakthrough technologically, creatively, but it's getting beyond that barrier of like, The 90-minute movie, the half-hour TV show, the reality show, I think people are ready for kind of poetic, inspiring imagery that you can watch over and over and over and let it take you on a journey that allows your inner voice to be heard.
1: I completely agree with you. We're looking at it here, and I mean, my my first question, and it seems a little rash or blunt but how are you giving this away for free i mean this is like well, <laughs> i mean this is some of the best footage ever I, I just don't i don't get
2: it the goal is i think to get you know people um, exposed to it turn on to it build an audience you know the the montage from wings of life got almost 30 million views from my ted talk so what's amazing is you know there's an audience out there that's really hungry for this stuff and what i want to do is you know, get it. And we haven't done any marketing yet with it, but already we have over a thousand people, I think, that have signed up on the Moving Art app on, on iTunes. So it's a matter, I think, of building an audience. When we build the audience, kind of like Pandora, they started to have some sponsors and then people who didn't want to have sponsorship were able to have a subscription model. So that's the path I'm going down.
1: No, that's actually, it's it's a great thing. And it's, again, one of the benefits of technology is being able to take this type of imagery and expose more people to it, which, as you mentioned, it can only benefit us all. Well, Louis, I, I know we went a little bit over. I really appreciate you talking to us. This is great stuff. You know, cool. your your video opens the minds and everyone can find, you know, moving art at movingart.com. Is there anywhere else they can kind of learn about what you do and see your upcoming projects?
2: I think movingart.com um, would be the best place to go to. It does list a schedule of events and we do put up anything that's recorded like from speaking events or screenings as well.
1: Okay, perfect. Well, we'll go ahead and link to that for sure on the website okay. and direct people there. And again, thank you so much. It's great stuff and, uh, and have a great night.
2: Thank you. And I love your, I love your podcast. It's really uh, great to share big ideas. Um, a, we're on this planet for one reason only, and that's to explore those big ideas.
1: I completely agree, and we love finding people that uh, you know that kind of vibe with that. So thank yeah. you again.
0: Okay, have a great day.
1: All right, Louis, you too. Bye.
0: Bye, bye. If you guys enjoyed that interview as much as we did, please head over to iTunes, rate us, comment, leave a review, help out the show. You know, you'll keep us going, possibly. 100, 200 more.
1: At it, least. You know what's crazy? I thought about this. I said, man, if we do another 100, say so that takes about two and a half more years, we'll be older.
0: Well, here's something pretty <laughs> crazy. Or old, I don't know. Mark Marin released his 400th episode. Is, it, is he weekly? Yeah. Shout out to Mark Maron.
1: Yeah, you know what else, guys? Speaking of shout outs, if you go on Twitter, if you like the episode, you go on Twitter and you say, you know, hey, at Smart People Pod, really loved your interview with And then that guest's Twitter handle. It's pretty cool because it lets them know. It kind of gives them a visual representation of we're getting the word out there for them. People are enjoying what they have to say. And it kind of completes the circle. You know, they give us their time and in turn pass it along to you. So that is what I have to say about that. Thanks for joining us for our century mark. As John said, hopefully many more to come. We couldn't have done it without you. Well, we could have. Yeah, I guess we could have. But we wouldn't have, put it that
0: way. We wouldn't have done it without you. I I, would have quit really Yeah. Chris and I would have got sick of just hearing each other talk day in, day out, and just been like, all right, enough of that. So thanks, guys. See you next week.